What's up, what's up, Top Rope Nation? It is early on Monday afternoon. We have AEW Forbidden Door to talk about today. It's Ryan Drosty, Kyle Ross coming at you. What a 24 hours, Kyle. It's uh, It's been pretty wild around the Drosty household. I don't know about you, my friend. Yeah, just uh, me flying solo in the parenting department. Sounds like I'm not the only one here. <laughs> as as uh, luck would have it, or maybe maybe not so lucky, uh, both of our wives out of town, daddy daycare going on here. I'm with three children, Kyle with two, running the households, trying to watch this pay-per-view last night, getting our thoughts together, you know, throughout the madness, trying to time when we can do this pay-per-view review with all of you because we're going to come through for our listeners kyle we care about the listeners we we're dedicated we're gonna do this but we had to time it with nap time so here we are and i'm ho- hopefully my youngest child does not wake up as we're doing this we'll see uh appreciate all of you joining us you know on delay the show ended last night but there's still a lot of stuff fresh in our minds to talk about so if you're with us let us know in the chat room we're streaming everywhere we always stream and so hoping to engage with all of you as we you know, talk about the card and, and what was a pretty good show last night, Kyle. So uh, yeah. what we typically do is we give our grades. Kyle hates this. You know, we used to do the pay-per-view reviews and we'll probably do it at some point again in the future right after they go off the air. No time to let our thoughts ferment in our brains. We've had a few hours, Kyle, a little more than 12 hours to think about this one. And so as, as you think about Forbidden Door on the old A through F scale... And those of you in the chat room, let us know you're great as well. Kyle Ross, what do you give last night's pay-per-view? Well, you know, uh, there was a lot of doom and gloom coming in. And rightfully so, based on what people thought was a lackluster build. But I don't think, given the hand they were dealt with injuries, the show could have been any better last night. I couldn't go any lower than an A- minus on this. Um Probably should go A, but, you know, I'll just take a few points off, I guess, because, you know, the the build was sloppy coming in. True. Yeah. I'm, wow, am I actually going to be lower than you for like the first time in a long time here? So you're you're sticking with A minus? Yeah, I'll go A minus. I thought it was the best pay-per-view of the year for sure. Okay. I'm at a B plus on this one, I think. It was a... Very solid show. Really liked it. Lots of really good matches. Some memorable moments. I just don't know I can go A on this because I was I had ringing in my ears, Kyle, what you always say. And I heard you talking about this with Garrett on Observe This the other day. You know, a pay-per-view is great when there's angles or things that stick in your mind. And as I thought about this one over the last few hours, I'm thinking, what am I going to remember from this pay-per-view a year, two years from now? And probably Claudio's debut is like the big one that people will remember. I don't know that there's anything else, to be honest well, with you. Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll answer this. I think there were three things in retrospect that most podcasts, not necessarily ours, downplayed slash underrated when criticizing the build, which, again, was admittedly bad for this. 
And one of them, and this is to what you just said, was the novelty of the matchups. Mm-hmm. As I'm sitting here watching this show last night, it really felt great watching a series of matchups that weren't rematches from stuff you'd seen before and you know aren't going to be rematched you know, Wednesday on Dynamite or rematched a month from now or at the next pay-per-view. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of the most... You know, and that's the attraction here. It's just the novelty of these matchups. It's kind of like an exhibition pay-per-view. You really can't do an angle here because New Japan's not going to be around. True. To do angles. Unless you would have made Tanahashi interim champion, I guess, and then keep him around a little bit. I We don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, if that was even remotely possible. Yeah, you know, exactly. Moxley was the obvious pick going in, I think. I talked about it on the show before. I was kind of rooting for Tanahashi to change it up. You know, I'd like to see Moxley get another run as champion when it was more legitimate than the interim, you know, having the interim tag on it. I'm still happy to see him win the title. I mean, love John Moxley and what, what he's gone through over the last year is, is pretty incredible for him to reach this moment again. Uh, you know, but to your point, yeah, there was so much happening, uh, so much maneuvering with all the injuries coming into the show, guys working hurt anyways on this show that. It's, you can't you can't hold that against them. Now, some of like the dream matches we wanted, we didn't get because of those injuries, like Brian and Sabre Jr., you know, like Tanahashi and Punk. Maybe we'll get them in the futures. I can't hold that against them. It's just that it felt to me like it was a show with tons of really good matches. And I felt like I can't be a hypocrite because I always say on the show, WWE pay-per-views always have lots of good matches. Now, there, was more, there was more good matches. Yeah, on I was going to say, come yeah. on, man. There's no like <laughs> WWE pay-per-view that has this many good matches. But at the same time, I don't think two years from now I'm going to be talking about any of these matches, to be honest I, with you. It was a great show. I'm, don't get me wrong. I yeah. thought it was a very good show. I'm just saying I can't give it an A because I don't think there's anything that's going to stick with me from it for years but it was excellent show so i'm going as high as i can other than that and saying b plus i would say that compared to the last few aew pay-per-views um you know double or nothing which we were at even revolution full gear i would be more inclined to rewatch this one than in the last three that they've done it was well paced i thought Mm -hmm. this show did not feel long at all um and, you know, getting back to my earlier point about the three things that were downplayed, underrated coming in, I talked about the novelty of the matchups being one, and that was always going to exist no matter what the matchups were. But I mentioned this when I did the show with Garrett. Thanks for to him again for having me on, um, on Observe This. But the number of tickets sold, okay? Mm-hmm. This show was a live event success, absolutely no doubt about it. Okay. You could talk about until, you know, whatever, until, you know, uh, you're, you know, you're, I don't know. What's the expression. Until the cows come home. Yeah. Until the cows come home. Exactly. <laughs> Iowa about, expression yeah. Probably. About how, Oh, you know, these people that you don't know might be confused by watching the TV <laughs> about this show. But the bottom line is the people who are predisposed to like this really liked it yes yeah and it's really odd that the tenor and the tone about this show really turned when the ratings kind of sank the last two weeks well okay i mean tony khan has gone on the record said this did over a hundred thousand buys if 
the number of buys is good. Is everyone just going to change their tune because of that? Like, I'm just looking at it. Yes, I think it could have been better. I talked about on the Facebook page what I thought they were going to do. I think because of injuries, it was harder to do that, just have a show of dream matches because a lot of those people just weren't available. No Punk, yeah. no Omega, no Danielson. Uh, but I don't know. To me, it, this it was a thoroughly enjoyable play through. So it's a live event success, novel matchups, and the New Japan crew getting to perform in front of people who could react. Let's not forget they haven't been able to do that. You can't cheer, you can't boo over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you surprised Punk wasn't on this show? I no, thought it was no, almost no. a lock he would be there. I mean, what would he do? Just come out, wave to the crowd, maybe come out for the main event. I mean, most of those people, everyone that bought a ticket to the show, unless he got it in the last couple of weeks, they thought they were going to see Punk there. It's his hometown. They don't have to fly him in or anything. I, I just thought he would be there. I, you know, you could have done a. Even if he's in a boot, they could have done like some kind of face off. Honestly, I would have rather have seen that like a stare down, you know, leading into the the future unification match rather than how they ended it. And this is the problem with having blood and guts coming right after the show is they had to build that up. So I understand why they did it. But the ending of the pay-per-view, one of my few criticisms with this pay-per-view is it just felt like dynamite at the end. And Moxley yet again kind of felt like an afterthought as they build up for the, bl- the blood and guts match. And it felt like leading up to the pay-per-view, and we talked about this on our watch parties over on Playback that we do most Wednesday nights, that it felt like they were building up like this six-man match in front of the, the interim world title match, you know, with the Jericho Appreciation Society and everything. And yet again, that comes out after Moxley wins the titles. I didn't like the way the show ended, but I liked the main event match a lot. I, so I've seen that as a criticism around the internet I actually didn't have a problem with them doing a brawl at all because, you know, what? again, what does everyone complain about? Well, they haven't been building these matches up properly on this pay-per-view. Well, here they're trying to build a matchup for the television and, you know, what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. My issue with the show closing angle with the brawl was the brawling itself. Yeah, it wasn't good. Like Jericho (laughs) came out and was throwing forearms like he was 92 Hulk Hogan, for God's sake. And, you know... (laughs) Wheeler Yuta, Wheeler Yuta, we love him. But I mean, my four-year-old daughter stomps harder when she's trying to kill a stink bug. Come on, man. You might hear my daughter stomping upstairs before this podcast is over. Louder than that, yeah. Eddie is the only one who showed any fire in that segment. I mean, Claudio did a little bit when he showed up, but I mean, that was my issue. I just think it was a lackluster brawl. I, I didn't hate the idea of them doing it necessarily. Yeah. I I agree with Greg. Like I said, I thought they'd do like some kind of stare down maybe to build up to the fact that they had that huge all out poster hanging or not even poster, like a banner hanging from the top of the United Center. And that was never referenced on the broadcast. That was odd. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, I mean, going back to your point about punk, maybe they don't know what he's ready. Maybe they don't have the timetable. Like, you know, you don't want to like get people thinking that the unification match is going to happen at all out when it might not. Tony Khan, I believe addressed it in the post show scrum and said that he just gave punk the night off to rest because he's coming off surgery. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little not confused, but I, I thought for sure there'd be like some promo for all out since they had that massive banner hanging and, Location-wise, we've heard it's going to be at the Now Arena again, but since they hung that up in the United Center, I'm thinking, is it maybe going to be at the United Center? And 
didn't get any reference to that, so we'll have to wait and see. But I, you know, I'm just coming right away here and quick firing my very few criticisms with the show. I very much enjoyed it. There was just a couple of things. I wasn't a huge fan of the ending. I would have had the women's title change hands. We can talk about that here in a little bit. That that decision really confuses me. But I mean, overall, just phenomenal matches up and down the card, and we're, we're going to talk about all of them. Do you have something, Kyle? Uh, in regards to that, I don't think the women's match should have been on the show. And I know the Dirty Diaper Club's going to come after me for saying that, but it didn't really fit. It was just odd. Well, especially if you weren't going to change titles, then why do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of expecting a title change just because I'd heard rumblings that all's not well in the Thunder Rosa AEW relationship. Yep. Same. And like Tony Storm just feels like she, even though she lost in the Owen tournament, you know. She has felt like she has a lot of momentum. She's a new face. Thunder Rosa, to me, is this title reign is on fumes right now. It's just not, I like her, but it's just not that interesting right now. So I thought they might change it up a little bit. Instead, you've got Tony Storm losing in the Owen tournament, now losing challenging for the AW women's title. I mean, she's DOA right now. Like, what you really got to build her back up to get her in the title picture. I'm not sure what they're going to do with her. So that DOA, very, D, DOA might be a little strong. I saw somebody. I, else I mean say, that. I mean that for the title picture, not yeah. just in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean like she can't be challenging for the title for a while, you know. So we'll see. It was clean. I mean, it was a clean victory. So she doesn't even have an argument for a rematch. And I don't know. It was. We'll I don't know. We'll yeah, I just it was a well worked match. I just thought it was completely out of place. People like think yeah. there has to be a women's match in every card. I don't know. The whole like concept here is AEW versus New Japan, and yeah. we just it's just like let's just randomly put an AEW women's title match on there. I thought that was like a more perplexing thing that the match even took place last night. Yeah, agree. All right, so they yeah they announced sixteen thousand five hundred. We said that, so a huge crowd. I mean, just uh, and if it is over a hundred thousand pay per view buys, as you alluded to there, I mean, very successful from a business standpoint for a show like this. Just what four four weeks after double or nothing you know just mm-hmm. barely coming off of that so um real quick what did our i was going to show you guys the results of our twitter poll what the listeners thought 118 votes about 67 percent gave it an a 22 percent a b i mean so all but about 10 percent were a or b phenomenal show you know you can tell just from that nice to see the bad faith actors are still out there though <laughs> F was giving the show an F. Uh, guys, guys, before we go any further, a couple of housekeeping items. Of course, we are very grateful for your support. If you're tuning in for the first time, especially here on YouTube, please subscribe. It's one of the best free ways to help the show. And if you listen to us each and every week on our podcast feeds and you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do so. YouTube is, that's like our big goal right now is to grow our subscriber base on YouTube, takes you two seconds, it's free. Please go to youtube.com slash nation. And yeah, if you're viewing the video right now, just click subscribe. Would appreciate that very much. And of course, the number one way to support us is to become a patron of the show. We've got what, 37, 38 patrons right now. Lots of loyal listeners that have joined up on Patreon. You're seeing their names right now on the bottom of the live stream. They get access to tons of bonus content all the time. We're dropping bonus podcasts that are only available on Patreon. There is 80 of them available right now, the moment you sign up. And there will be 81 very soon because we're I'm yes. doing Top Rope Nation Extra tomorrow with a very special guest. Can't wait for this. We got a 
great guest coming on Top Rope Nation X-Ray. It'll drop on the Patreon feed right after the fact. Last week, dropped a new edition of Top Rope Nation Classics looking at Great American Bash 96. Got some great feedback on that one so far. Really enjoyed it. It's over two hours long. There's 31 editions of Top Rope Nation Classics available in the Patreon archives. We all say that's our best work. I mean, those are our favorite shows to do. A lot of the listeners really like them. I think it's the number one reason people sign up for Patreon. And we're really, really close to the goal of 40 patrons. I've been preaching about this for weeks, but when we get to 40 patrons, I can release my unheard 2002 interview with Bobby the Brain Heenan. The audio has never been heard in 20 Mm -hmm. years. An unheard interview with one of the greatest of all time. When we get to 40 patrons... I will release that as a very first interview I did uh, when I started covering wrestling 20 years ago. I was 18 years old. First interview. So oh really want to sh- yeah, I really want to share that with you guys. I'll release it when we get to 40 patrons. So you can click the link in the podcast or the video description for more on that. All right. Let's see. I'm looking at our agenda here. We hit those three points you wanted to talk about. The ring announcers, Kyle. Should we talk about that really quick? I mean, that was one of the first things I noticed as I turned on the pay-per-view. I missed the pre-show. I was feeding my children, (laughs) dealing with all that craziness, trying to cook. It was like Hulk Hogan and Mr. Nanny around here. The county, the state, whomever. They don't like it when you don't feed the kids, man. They'll come after you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, So the announcer, the announcing was interesting on the show. You know, people talk about, you know, how AEW might have a bloated in-ring roster. Man, they were a <laughs> real revolving door behind that announce desk uh, tonight, or last night, I should say. I liked it better when it was Kevin Kelly, Taz, and Excalibur. Oh, yeah. Tony Great. came in, and uh, it was funny, because I was messaging back and forth with Liam during the show, and I missed the opener originally. I, I haven't did the opener to the pay-per-view proper. I didn't watch until this morning. And he messaged like, wow, Jim Ross isn't on this. And I was like, oh, my God, they're just sticking with Kevin Kelly, Taz, and Excalibur. And I thought they did a great job together. When, but And I was like, oh, but I do kind of miss Tony's Markish enthusiasm. Sure enough, he brought that for the Sting match. Yeah. Which is what's – but I got to say, man, my, my big takeaway from the revolving door of announcers – I think those who think maybe it's time for Jim Ross to take on a reduced role, they got a little more meat on the bone last night. And there you go. That comment right there from my good friend Michael Johnson. Yet yeah, When he came out, man, whew, it wasn't – I don't know if he was surly, if maybe it wasn't his decision not to be on the first half of the show. I thought it was hilarious that they brought him out for an Orange Cassidy match too. But <laughs> yeah, he was not working well with the other guys. Kevin Kelly became persona, who I thought was tremendous. Yeah, uh, became kind of persona non grata once Jr. came out. There was a very uh, woo, um, kind of controversial moment there between Jr. and Taz. Did you catch that? Mm. When Jr. goes, you're always what did he say? You're always pissing on my deal. I, did, I missed that. At the end of the match? Yeah. I, I, huh. I was like, whoa. And then, like, <laughs> after that, they were, like, kind of trying to be buddy-buddy, those two. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Chad. There you go, Chad. There's your show mention. Um, but he was so happy, by the way, that when it was just you and Justin did the show yeah. a couple weeks ago, 
his yeah. name still got mentioned. He messaged me specifically <laughs> to say that. But um, anyway, but Chad messaged me this morning because after he watched pay-per-view and his first comment he sent to me is Jim Ross sticks. And I, I thought Jim Ross just killed the flow of the announcing. The, the three of them, Kelly, Taz, and Excalibur had a good thing going and Jim Ross just brought it to a grinding halt. I don't know, man. I, I think you just got to reduce his role. Uh, yeah, I mean, I see why they put him, especially on TV. He's, you know, a familiar voice for anyone who's tuning in. You want to keep him around, you know, for sure, backstage or something. He, he has a ton of knowledge about wrestling that he can help the company out. But announcing-wise, I agree with you, man. It's it's getting close to the end of the line. And, yeah, Kevin <laughs> Kelly did a great job. You know, he probably thinks in the back of his head, hey, there might be an open position here at some yeah. point in time. Well, Let me impress him and... It, yeah, some say his performance, uh, you could call it dynamite. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> oh. There you go. Uh, but JR has said somewhat recently that he even knows his time is winding down. So, to what you just said, yeah, I mean, Kevin Kelly might have looked at last night as, hey, there's an opportunity here. Yeah. I Just Taz and Excalibur together is, they're good on, you know, to do dark, but they need mm-hmm. someone else with them. Mm-hmm. For a, a major show. Agree. Agree. Yeah, as I started watching the pay-per-view, so the first two matches, I was like in and out of the room. Justin, who couldn't join us today on the pod, he's, he's at work as we record right now, but he actually watched the show at my place last night, and he was watching it, but I was I was just trying to get these kids to bed. So I had to go back this morning um, to rewatch the first two matches, and he was raving about the first match, that six-man. Excellent match. Crowd. Incre- I mean, you would expect yeah. that. It's Chicago. Huge, cavernous building. I mean, it just sounded crazy loud to every single thing that they did. Going back and watching that this morning, I really, really liked it. So you had Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Minoru Suzuki, who got a, just a massive pop when he came out. Suzuki was <laughs> the most over of anybody in this match. The uh, heels, by the way, with the two sing-along entrances. <laughs> yes. You don't see that very often. Uh, taking on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. And Umino is the son of Red Shoes, the referee over in New Japan, famous referee. Mm-hmm. And I loved how they called back into the match to when Umino was this young boy, how he had this interaction over in Japan with Jericho. Um, that was really cool. I can't even remember what match. It was during a U.S. title match, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I I thought that was cool that they called back to that, and you know now he's made his way up. He's wrestling. I think it was at least against Chris Jericho, and uh, I mean, yeah, anything that that stood out to you watching this? I love the face off between Eddie Kingston, yeah. and Suzuki. Obviously, when uh, Kingston pulls down the straps and the chops and everything, it was that was incredible. Crowd loved, ate that up. So yeah, I noted how hot the crowd was too. I mean, the crowd was great all night, but. They seemed uniquely hot for this match, and it was the first match, the pay-per-view proper. That makes sense. You, you typically have a hot crowd to work with in that position. Speaking of hot, you did have Ty Conti at ringside. <laughs> I was wondering if you are going to say that. I saw that in the notes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I know we're only a couple weeks in here, like actually a weekend. Good move putting Guevara back with Jericho. I know that Guevara and Ty were are just naturally able to draw some heat, heel heat mm-hmm. when they come out. I don't think they're good enough to be an upper card level act on their own. And I, and I go back to that promo that I criticized a few weeks ago 
on Dynamite where they were basically like, okay, we're officially turning heel. You can boo us now. And it was just, and that was the promo. I mean, it was not good. But them coming out with Jericho, Jericho kissing Ty's hand, that works. So I think this is going to be a good move, putting them back with Jericho. Heels win. That makes sense uh, because Blood and Guts, a.k.a. War Games, always works better from a psychology perspective when the heels have the edge. And this match was for the edge in Blood and Guts on Wednesday. So the heels should have gone over. They did. I'm with you on Suzuki and Eddie. That was good stuff. Uh, We should point out later in the show, Umino took a fireball from Jericho. Do you think that Blood and Guts on Wednesday should end with Jericho taking a fireball? Oh, that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. I think it'd be a good payoff for everything he's done. Yeah, agree. Agree. Yeah, the finish of the match, you had uh, Ty Conti interfering. She hit Umino with a bat. Uh, Then he took some super kicks from Guevara. He took a headbutt from Suzuki uh, when he had a Boston Crab on Chris Jericho. And in the end, uh, Jericho gets him with the Judas effect and pins him. Yeah, you talked about Suzuki being over. Umino got over this crowd. I think another big story for this card, almost every match, the New Japan guys were really over with this crowd. This was not a crowd that came to cheer for AEW and boo New Japan, obviously. This was not the kind of dynamic you saw on WCW versus New Japan, Starcade 95, for instance. Yeah. I think we've evolved a lot. We're not booing people because they're Japanese anymore. Thank God we've at least come that far as a country. I don't know how much further <laughs> we've come, uh, given the events of the last week. But, you know, at least this was a crowd that was very appreciative and very much liked the New Japan crew. And Umino got over. It was nice to see. Yeah. I mean, just from a crowd perspective, it's such an interesting dynamic because you know, we've talked about before, in part, New Japan gave birth to AEW. And, you know, a lot of this fan base was watching New Japan very closely for years before AEW because they were giving them the product that they weren't getting here in the States unless it was Ring of Honor, I guess. But, you know, they were giving them what WWE wasn't giving them on a national basis. And now, you know, you can do these shows and there is a lot of familiarity, especially with the people that are going to travel in for a show like this. Absolutely. So uh, FTR continuing their big run here, you know, the hottest tag team by far in the company. And we had them taken on United Empire, Rapongi Vice. Um, very, very good match again. Uh, did you? So you mentioned the scrum uh, earlier, right? Did you? Did you see a lot of that? Not all of it, but I know some of the key things okay. that were said. Yeah. So Tony like basically gave um, Rocky Romero tons of credit for the show coming together. You know, he said he was the guy he was talking to back and forth constantly to set up. So, you know, about to go into talking about this match, it makes sense mm-hmm. to bring that up. But Rocky Romero, I mean, if you enjoyed this, there's a lot of credit to be given to him, according to Tony Khan. Uh, but in the end, yeah, I mean, you see FTR now. They've got the IWGP World Tag Team titles along with the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. They go over here. And the AAA Tag Team titles. Yep. So three sets of belts. Need those well, AEW belts. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't have the AEW ones Man, do you think they hold off the rubber match with the Bucks for All Out? I probably would. I think you got to. I mean, they, unless their ratings really sink throughout the summer. Yeah. And you're right uh, for that. But it seems to me that that is the destination. It was kind of teased a bit in commentary because 
oh, I can't remember who said it, but someone's like, oh, FTR is, is hot right now as any tag team in the world. And somebody's like, well, except for maybe the Bucks. So it would make a lot of sense to do something. I don't know if they're going to gimmick it up at all or, or whatnot, but that's a, a destination that makes a lot of sense. Because FTR, remember, they like held uh, the ROH belts up and maybe the AAA ones too when they confronted Jurassic Express a few weeks ago on TV. Mm-hmm. My God, it might have even been like a month or so ago at this point. And that like just went nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Hugh mentioned in the chat that FTR was great on the media scrum. They were. They were excellent. I mean, they talked about, uh, especially Dax, like how he grew up a wrestling fan, told some funny stories about how, like, when he would uh, go to school, he would hit these, like, tree branches on the way down the sidewalk and pretend they were wrestling fans and wanted that to be him someday. And they both joked about how when they capture all the titles, they're going to lose their smiles and retire. That was pretty funny. That was (laughs) pretty funny. Yeah. They were yeah, uh, they were excellent on the media call. Go ahead. What do you think about Dax doing the worked injury here? Do you think he did that spot only because people are like freaking out about this mounting AEW injury list? Or was that this just I totally independent of that? I w- yeah, it that was probably plays into it. I wasn't a huge fan of that, to be honest. It kind of took me out of the match a little bit. Uh, Justin, who's not here, but he was watching the show with me, he agreed. And we were a little worried watching it. And, you know, if that was the plan, it could have been. Damn you, AEW, because I don't want to see Dax Harwood go down now, too. Uh, you know, it worked out with what they, were, what they were planning and stuff. But we were pretty nervous there for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting if you just watch it back and you just know, okay, he's all right and he's coming back. There were enough people on Twitter the, after the initial rush of, oh, my God, not another one. Yeah. That's people were like, no, come on. That that looks like to be a work. And so I was pretty comfortable he was coming back. And, yeah, uh, yeah you know, it wasn't as good as the opener of this match. But I, I don't think that's really surprising. The right team won, too. FTR obviously should have won this. They're just yeah. much better than the other two teams. I agree. And, yeah, that is FTR and Bucks. You know, they had a, a really good match before a couple of years ago on pay-per-view and I'm, I'm sure that's when they actually meet up again it's going to be great i just think they're both on, always on fire yeah young bucks they're great they're always phenomenal ftr i just feel like their careers are on another level right now they feel like they have so much momentum behind i mean this is a team that traditionally didn't sell a lot of merch and their merch is like flying off the shelves right now they're all their new shirts they're releasing on pro wrestling tees are always in that top 10 and, uh, yeah, they just feel like they have so much momentum. When that match actually happens, it's going to be huge. Yeah, that match on Dynamite what was a couple weeks ago, or months mm-hmm. ago, I should say. That was better than the first one, I thought. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, we said to the, the pay-per-view one, or the first one that they had, I remember reviewing that, and we, we liked it, but we weren't as high on it as the internet. No, I, I wasn't. It, was, it just... It was WWE-esque, actually, which sounds shocking, I know, to some people in the sense they were yelling their influences at you. You know how mm-hmm. I, I talked about this a bit on Garrett Shaw, WWE television. It just screams at you the most obvious things that you're already watching. And I remember yeah. they just started like doing other teams moves and stuff. And yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a good match. I just thought it was a little overrated at the time. Cause that yeah. was, that was 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. And the dynamic just didn't work at the time either. Yeah. With the it just that feud wasn't clicking. It didn't feel like FTR was clicking like they were now and in time for yes. that second match that we saw, and certainly what'll be for the third. Uh, Caprice Coleman, by the way, as we continue with the revolving door of announcements, I like him a lot. 
he's someone that like if you paired him and JR together, I think it would be better. I think JR gets a little surly when his um uh, you know his acumen feels threatened when there's a Kevin Kelly or an Excalibur out there. JR throughout his career is used to being the smartest guy at the desk. Right. And I think he feels a little threatened. And I'm not saying Caprice it, it doesn't have a high, he does, but I just think Caprice he brings an enthusiasm that would play off JR a little bit better. Mm-hmm. If, if you're looking for a partner with JR, maybe they could pair those two together. Yeah. All right. So the All-Atlantic match, you know, we joked a lot about the creation of this title. I think for good <laughs> reason <laughs> coming into the show, uh, especially on our, our watch party that week on playback when they unveiled it. But, I mean, the story of this match, this Clark Connors. Yes. My God, Kyle. <laughs> this, this kid won over this crowd throughout. So you had... A title that no one seemed to want. Yep. Meaning fans. Mm-hmm. And you had the late substitution with Connors coming in. And, you know, it's a four-way. No one likes those. But by God, this over-delivered and then some. Uh, this was one of my favorite matches of the night. And it's one of my favorite four-ways I've seen in some time. Because I love the dynamic that they leaned into um, with, with Connors, you know, no one thought he'd like kind of deserved to be in the match. Mm-hmm. And he was sort like early on, he just would run into Miro and just constantly be discarded. Like he was nothing. Yeah. And that dynamic was great because it built to the big spot in the match where Connors put Miro through a table to get kind of his revenge for getting ragdolled the whole time. And the crowd was with him, man. Chant his name. Yeah, and that's yeah. pro wrestling. So I absolutely loved the in-match story they told between Miro and Clark Connors. I thought Miro was going to win. Mm-hmm. Here, I think a lot of people did. You know, God, his presentation is tremendous. You know, the idea that he had this one weakness, but it's been the neck, but it's been fixed now. Um, don't mind pack winning. Uh, I, I guess I would have preferred Miro, but still, I thought this was a tremendous match. One of the best of the night. Agreed. Yeah, it was unique for a fatal four way. You know, didn't follow what we've seen at times from WWE when they've done the fatal four way. Um, and yeah, you get the young kid over during the match. He, he takes the finish, which makes sense. He protects some of the other guys. I assumed Miro would win too. Was shocked by the finish actually that Pack win, but I don't have I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean once he took the mist, you knew he, Miro wasn't winning. Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, it was it, an excellent match. It felt like when uh, Miro had Pack trapped uh, in the camel clutch that people were expecting that to be the finish. I was only like, oh, they're going to get Pack to tap. I assumed they were going to do a pass out finish, but mm-hmm. that was uh, much ado about nothing on my part. So, yeah. yeah, you talked about the usual, you know, kind of missteps you see with four ways. This had the great Miro Connors uh, interactions that we talked about. And then Black and Pack made sure the match was never boring. They were the glue guys. Yeah. Yes, it was still probably too much. Two guys working, the other two guys laying around doing nothing. But this was just way better than most four ways, in my opinion. Yeah. So of the first three matches, would you say this was your favorite? Yes. Yeah, I would agree for sure. And yeah, I guess like maybe I would have expected that going in, but I mean, it was better than I expected for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also on the media call, 
gotta say so john moxley and i'll talk more about his him on the media call when we get to his match here in a moment but uh moxley was just tremendous this guy is so likable just to listen to him talk and everything and at the very end of the media call and this plays into the next one here he was he it looked like he was done and he was like standing up and he was ready to leave and then he sat back down and he was like oh by the way and he like he wants to pitch another match and he's like how about we put sting with darby allen and the great muda and make them a team and tony khan looked at him like what are you doing you know like you're gonna get me in trouble because uh you know muda being involved with noah and everything and he he looked at Moxley and he was like, "Oh, he's the one guy who can pitch this, I guess." And Moxley's like, "I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen." No great mood on the show. We did get Sting, who yeah. just you know continues to do incredible stuff at his age. Uh, I was very happy he did not come down from the rafters. They tease that. I don't think we need that. No. Um, but he still you know, popped the crowd big with his entrance into the match, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy that he's doing this stuff at what 63 years of age. Yeah, I believe like he, diving off the, you know, the entrance, you know, onto the uh, it, just unbelievable. I, I joked in our Facebook group last night that I'm thinking about recording a podcast, uh, you know, soon here where I talk about how Sting, you know, you know, I'll claim it's 2012 in the podcast. I'll say, you know what? In 10 years, I think Sting should be working with the Young Bucks and they should have Billy Gunn beating up dojo guys from the new from new japan pro wrestling yes just live at it you know it was from 10 years ago because who would have predicted some of this stuff man no kidding man and that it would be good too yes yeah that it wouldn't be no, embarrassing be very good yeah I mean, sting is I, like, look he, he forgot his spot towards the end and had to kind of be you know hey oh, yeah, get back in yeah. there stinger but so fun man and you know i mean no sell and there's some people who hate just random no selling i am not one of those people so i loved him uh no selling the uh double super kick so yeah yeah this was another fun match we're four for four at this point oh yeah yeah it was uh the bucks so we had the bucks and el fantasmo against uh shingo takagi darby allen and sting so six man here my only criticism of this is takagi who we all know is great really didn't do much or no, stand out kind of no, I agree. And yeah, coming in, you would think he would stand. This guy's done excellent work over the last couple of years, but no, not so much. Maybe just try to make sure he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. You know, I mean, the New Japan, you know, they've got an injury list as well. Yeah. So what was the, there, there was a chant here. I'm looking up. And I was laughing so hard. Hold on here. Twist his tits. Oh, yeah. That was kind of odd the titty twister thing <laughs> that was a little strange yeah so I, that, I laughed that was what um sting forgot the the spot on right he came yes. back in and then he did that he, yeah. yeah yeah exactly how could he yeah. forget that no kidding come on man come on steve but uh yeah the uh the dudes with attitude yeah. took the victory yeah yeah i'd love to see it one last interaction between sting and muda by the way oh my god me too be awesome good call john moxley <laughs> make it happen john moxley will it into existence uh yeah we talked kind of about thunder rose and tony storm it's a decent match i mean we've got a high bar at this point coming off of those first four uh but again like i was just shocked that they didn't do a, a title change here especially since it made it onto the card like thunder rose a lot like i said earlier Title reign is, is totally on fumes at this point in time. I wanted to see him change it up. Tony Storm has just felt like the right person to go with. But nope, 
Rosa retains. She was in the media scrum afterwards as well. Came off likable. I mean, she's a very likable person and everything, but I just, I'm not a fan of her retaining here. It didn't bother me. I don't know. I just don't think either one is the star of the division. So, which is kind of the bigger issue. That's true. I think, you know, Jade Cargill having what is, I think, kind of recognizes the second title is is the issue because I think she's the bigger star than whoever's going to hold the women's uh, world title at this point. Yeah. And then uh, you have Britt Baker, who's a bigger star than both of these two as well. It sure. just felt like it felt like that's why I actually wasn't as bothered by the not by the title not changing hands as much. I just felt like these are two people competing for the bronze medal, man. Yeah, it's hard, hard to not think of it that way. It was you know, one of the it was unique because it was one of the few singles matches on the show. We had so many multi people matches on the card and you know coming into the match the two people that have had some very very good matches over the years and so i had high expectations they delivered a good match like i said just the finish kind of shocked me a little bit but a couple of things that stood out there was a pile driver that rosa gave storm that i was a little scared on do you remember this part in the match it just looked like she took it really like on her head all of it on her head looked pretty brutal um they had a you know, like a chop off during the match that looked pretty wild as well uh but in the end rosa gave uh it was like the crossroads out of a suplex yeah i, I don't like her doing dustin Rhodes yeah. moves i get yeah. that there's an affiliation but again that's very wwe-esque yeah you know so, wearing your influences on your sleeve right you know you can be a great guitar player and like sweet child of mine you don't have to fucking do solo <laughs> all right uh i mean to me, the match of the show was the next one, Orange Cassidy, Will Ospreay. I mean, we, yeah, I would agree with that. When they announced the match, we were on the watch party and playback, and I wasn't thrilled that Cassidy was the guy that was going to wrestle Ospreay. I thought that they could have a good match. I was there in person for um, for Orange Cassidy and Pack at Revolution 2020, which was an awesome match. But I, I just wanted to see Osprey work someone that has more momentum right now, just because Osprey is a big name in New Japan. That being said, hell of a match. Yeah, see, this was the match that probably did the best job of, like, on paper being what we wanted this card to be, where it's just these very unique matchups between, you know, a person representing both promotions again it's a singles match no cross-pollination it's like big aew star versus big new japan star Uh, and that's what we wanted this card to be and that's what this was and it being orange cassidy as the opponent it forced osprey into working a unique match and i liked that a lot and they did Mm -hmm. some cool near falls um, yeah, there was one that, my God, it couldn't have been any closer to three. I think the crowd thought it was three. There was, that was a story too. Was it Paul Turner all three times? I know it was Paul Turner at least twice on two of the near falls that people thought were it. And the crowd started grumbling. There was one, God, was it in the all Atlantic four way or was it in the three way with, with FTR? There was like this near fall where they kind of lost the crowd for a bit. Cause, uh, it was like really the kick out was late. Yes, it was yeah. it was the FTR one. It was the FTR yeah. match uh, that the kickout seemed late, and the, the crowd kind of gave the ref some shit. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, and you know the, this was at, I, four stars for me. Yeah, 
So, you know, match of the night, I think, is accurate. And then we got the return of Shibata, which the crowd loved. So awesome. I immediately, and he was in here in the chat a little bit ago, our guy Derek Chappelle, I turned to Justin. I'm like, Derek Chappelle has tears streaming down his face right now. Like his all-time favorite wrestler walks out. I'm trying to see if I can find his, uh, yeah, <laughs> his chat from earlier when he was here. Not going to lie, I went six to midnight when I heard Shibata was there. Derek Chappelle, <laughs> was, uh, that was an awesome ending to this one. And you know, a couple, go ahead. Go ahead no, I was going to say, you know what I always think about with Shibata, you know, at the Voices of Wrestling, uh, their U poll in 2017, where, you know, everybody was given Omega and Okada the match of the year. It was Shibata Okada that won match of the year there. And I, I was very pleased to see that because I think I kind of liked that one better. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's sort of a you have to get your moral compass out because of what happened to Shibata there. Um, but I don't know. I, I remember like at the time, like kind of being afraid to vocalize that. I'm like, did I like Okada versus Shibata better? And, you know, I was very pleased when the Voices of Wrestling recognized that match at the time as their match of the year, 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassidy was rumored to be, ha- or Fightful reported he would have new new theme music coming out for this match. He didn't. He is apparently still going to have new theme music, which oh. I love the Pixies theme song. I'm kind of surprised that they're changing it, but I guess he used Jefferson Starship on the indies. Yes, Jane is the name of the song. Yep. And all right, I'm glad you brought this up because we need to talk about this. This is very Tony Khan-esque. I think this is a mistake. I agree. Everyone knows that he's so associated with that Pixies song. Now. Well, it's a great that- theme song. And it's a yeah, it's a great song. Like people, like I've had my wife thinks it's cool that he comes out to it. My wife couldn't give two shits less about pro wrestling, okay? But <laughs> yeah. she looks up. She's like, "Oh, that's cool." He comes out to that. And like I had a buddy of mine, you know, message me once saying, "Oh, I heard some guy at AEW comes out to Where's My Mind." He like read about it on some music blog, so it like oh, got wow. cred, like by using that song. And like I'll tell you what, group has no cred musically fucking jefferson starship okay i'm sorry man i don't mean to piss nobody off but we built this city or uh what is that we built this city that is one of the shittiest fucking songs ever made in the history of mankind dude when i used to work at best buy we had this manager that would play that song like every hour in my department and i got so sick of it (laughs) so sick of it yeah, and That's so the first just, thing I think of. It just feels like, you know, again, there's so much talk about why I call it Tony Khan-esque. It's like there's so much talk about, you know, aiming for a smaller audience than a larger one. And with the so- the potential song change, to me, people know Pix- the Pixies. Mm-hmm. If you change it, I think there's going to be people who are like, why did he ditch the Pixies for this song? And people are like, oh, because well, he used it on the indies. But then I think people are like, well, so what? Yeah. It's I a agree. better song and it's more known. We yeah. built this city? <laughs> this song is trash. Uh, Osprey went over here. You had uh, Juice. So Osprey is the U.S. champion. He comes out with the Rev Pro title. Juice Robin still, Robinson is still in possession of the IWGP U.S. title. The story there is he couldn't compete at Dominion earlier in June, and so Osprey won the title. Uh, but he's still carrying it around, so he was like up in a luxury box, you know, holding it up there. 
But and he did uh, yeah. an interview with Jay White earlier in the show too, where he yep. said he was hard as a rock. Yeah. So <laughs> do that. Do it. Please feel free to transition from that as you want. <laughs> well, uh, this match was it was phenomenal. Check it out if you didn't see it. Worth watching. Match of the night, you know, to me for sure. But moment of the night, perhaps. Was when Mr. Claudio Castanoli, or Claude the Bod, as I called him here at my house, came out to face Zack Sabre Jr. Claudio, of course, the former Cesaro from the WWE. But if you've been watching him a long time, you knew this was his name from the Ring of Honor days, his real name. And he comes out as the new member of the Blackpool Combat Club, hand-selected by Brian Danielson to take his spot. Again, Zack Sabre Jr. Look, very worthy replacement technical wrestler uh not as good as brian but pretty freaking good and so i mean the crowd reacted they didn't actually show the stage first they just showed the crowd they shot the crowd reacting to his entrance so they saw you know like the swiss cross or whatever or his name come up on the screen and just exploded when that was him and uh yeah he got a huge pop you got everything in this match that you would expect from a uh Claudio match. I almost said Cesaro. You got the spin multiple times last night. Although he sold the arm when he did, like he didn't do it like a bunch of times during the match. What a true pro. Yeah. So, I mean, although it wasn't Brian, hopefully we get that down the line. The match didn't disappoint. I mean, this is yeah. a four star ish match as well. Yeah. I mean, losing Brian Danielson sucks, obviously, but, you know, this was the best possible replacement they probably could have done. Yeah. Pop of right. the night, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, Pete, like Jonathan Gresham was another name. I mean, that wouldn't have worked. I still have a bad taste in my mouth from that awful Dalton Castle match. Was yeah, that a yeah. rampage one night when they did that like horrible exchange? God, I'll never block that out of my mind. But you know, I mean, the, you know, and Gargano. I don't think Gargano fits the bill for like the Blackpool Combat Club to me. No. You know what a group here you got now: Moxley, Claudio, and Danielson. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Gargano would have not worked at all. I mean, he's we criticized his heel run a lot in NXT, and not necessarily do you have to be a heel here, but you got to kind of come off as a badass. And I just don't think Gargano that, really. No, has that's it not now. him. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of possibilities now moving forward for Claudio, yeah. because he's coming in at a time where you know we'll get into a because there's another name on the long list that we're about to get to. But this injury list is very severe in AEW. That's one of the big talking points coming out of this show. It's just how many people are hurt. I mean, it's like 20 people. Mm-hmm. So Claudio coming in now, he's going to be in that featured position that he always wanted to be in in WWE. And, okay, there's the history with him in Kingston that they're going to tease. And they teased it after the brawl last night with them having words. So are we going to get Danielson and Claudio against Eddie and like Moxley? Or is God, I, God or, I hope so. Or is Moxley, or is it going to be Blackpool Combat Club against like Eddie and Santana Ortiz? Regardless, I, I think there's you know there's a lot of dynamics at play, and there's a lot of guys here in AEW Claudio could work with. Has obviously stayed in tremendous shape. I'm going to be honest with you. Before it was reported earlier in the day that he was the guy, I had heard rumblings that he was heading back to Titan Sports. <sighs> And it, you know, it, it seemed like maybe he would, like he, that he had been spotted at the performance center, even some people were saying. Did you see that on Twitter? 
I didn't see that. I mean, I had heard he was working out in Florida, okay. but not specifically at the okay. Performance Center. Well, he's definitely work out because, man, he is in great shape. Mm-hmm. Great shape for his age. And so, yeah, I think it's a good spot for him. Uh, you know, WWE probably thinks they're cool because they've got, you know, Giovanni Vinci still on their red. So, oh, that's just another, you know, Vince like, ah, pal, Italian, Swiss, who gives a damn? He's bald. He's European. <laughs> uh, probably. Probably is the mindset. Yeah. You know, that's no, what he's it, thinking. It, it, op- it opens up a lot of possibilities. You're right. For a, a promotion ravaged with injuries to plug in a guy like Claudio here, it, it's exciting. It gives you a lot of options this summer. So Yeah, and, and give a lot of credit to Zack Sabre Jr. Because, you know, once Claudio came out, you knew he was DOA. Sabre, that he was going to lose. and mm-hmm. But he was a real pro. Great match. You know, yeah. yeah. Imagine thinking Cesaro was, quote, too Swiss. <laughs> Pardon me, Claudio. <laughs> Two Swiss? This stable is just unbelievable. What kind of criticism is that? That's what Vince said in that uh, Broken Skull session. He's like, "Uh, maybe it's because he's too Swiss? Austin looked very good. (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Because Austin's like, I like this Cesaro. Why don't you push him more? And Vince is like, he's not connecting. Uh, Maybe it's because he's too Swiss? Not connecting. Not connecting. Too Swiss? Very few people, not that not his whole run, but that pinnacle a few years ago where we had the Cesaro section signs everywhere. Not connecting. This guy was connecting better than almost anybody in the company. Too Swiss? What does that mean? He doesn't want to get involved in world wars? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this Aaron had it in the chat here. He was at Flatbacks, which is Spears and Tyler Breeze's place. That's okay. what I'd seen. He was working out in the ring okay. down there. Yep. So, yeah, phenomenal shape. Didn't miss a beat. Excellent debut. You knew he was going to win, like you said, Kyle, the minute he came out. But uh, just yes, another excellent yeah. match. Yeah. But, yeah, but you know what, though? They didn't lose the crowd. No? Really? And, and you know, people were fired up. Yeah. Uh, f- another four-way, the IWGP world title match. Jay White defending against Adam Cole. Working hurt. Mm-hmm. Hangman Adam Page and Kazuchika Okada. My God, this crowd. Extremely excited to see Okada. I... I had a little FOMO here, Kyle. I've never seen Okada in person. That's on my bucket list. I was planning on going to the show when they announced it. You know, pretty easy drive from where I'm at. Could have got tickets this last week. Had someone offer me some really good tickets to the show. Just couldn't do it. My wife was going to be out of town. Would have had to get childcare. And God, I got to see Okada at some point in time. He got a huge pop. Although they didn't do like the dollars raining down, which is a little surprising. But he really, I'll tell you what, he didn't do much either once the bell rang. You know, he was very over, but it was, it seemed like he was kind of, you know, back to the earlier point with Takagi, it seemed like he was kind of working safe, which is, you know, sometimes you can do. We had the the Rainmaker. I got the shirt on. The Rainmaker dodged during the match. And uh, yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah, he didn't he didn't do a whole lot during the match, but he made the the journey over to uh the United States. He was in the the post post show scrum, media scrum as well, which was cool. Uh this was another phenomenal match, Kyle. Uh you know, I I kind of felt like maybe it, it telegraphed a little bit the main event. It was kind of hard to avoid that because I thought that if they were going to put the title on Tanahashi, then like Hangman might win here or something. Like they'd have to do a trade, you know? And so when White retained, my thought was Tanahashi ain't winning. Yeah, well, my thought was, you know, AEW mounting injured list, injury list. They're not going to just give New Japan a guy, even if it's just for a short-term deal, probably. 
to be mm-hmm. their champion. Um, I don't know. This match was kind of the one that I remember the least, sort of. And I think might have been, to be honest, my least favorite match of the for, of the forbidden. It wasn't the, it, as for four ways. It wasn't as good as the Atlantic. I'll no, it wasn't. And then mm-hmm. obviously, you know. Part of that is the finish. Cole was very clearly legitimately hurt, and yeah. it led to the um, what was obviously not the planned finish. And he's going to be out for a while, it sounds like. Yeah. So that's another one. Eight, yeah. You know, Tony Khan, you know, I guess it's a good thing that he signed so many people because he's got to push some guys now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up until that finish, it was a pretty damn good match. Again, not as good as the earlier four-way, but yeah, when... Um, how did that go down? White took out... I can't remember who he took out. My notes for this show are not as comprehensive as they usually are with the, with the children's situation, but Hold on. Uh, he took out one of the guys, and then he crawled over, and he pinned uh, Adam Cole, who was already laid out, and didn't come off at all like that would be the finish of the match, and it was, and it kind of shocked everybody. And Yeah, the finish kind of lost me a little bit, came out of nowhere. But before that was a pretty good match. Yeah, he had taken out Okada with a blade run. That's right. And then I've right. uh, got the. Um, yeah. I don't know. Jay White's kind of divisive. I feel still, you know, mm-hmm. even though he's much better than he was once upon a time. It, it just, you know, it felt like he was the least over of these four. Yeah. And but but you knew he was going to win. I mean, he just won the title. So I mean, it'd be weird if they did that title change at Dominion and that just had him lose. Here, uh, Hangman, you know, we talked about Okada maybe not uh, giving 186%, but Hangman was trying out there. He was certainly uh, aggressive, liked that. But yeah, I think overall, this was just the second best four-way on the show. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's finish it out before these children wake up from their naps. Moxley and Tanahashi. Um I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, I guess, so I don't have to talk about it a ton. But going in, again, I was rooting for Tanahashi. I would have liked to seen something a little bit different. We got Moxley. I can't complain. Very likable guy. In his post-show scrum, I, I hinted at that earlier. Uh, you know, he talked about his journey over the last couple of years, you know, and everything that he's been through and how he's kind of just how much he loves pro wrestling. He talked about working all the indies, recently working a pro wrestling revolver show and and just how he's kind of at the top of his game right now and uh felt like he deserved the title i can't disagree with that um uh, again like the ending of the show i felt took a little bit away from him and his moments it wasn't like when he won the title at revolution also in chicago where it was all about him and he did this you know post-show speech in the ring and everything it was more to sell you on wednesday night but that's the position they're in. They have to do that. They're looking to pop a big rating for Dynamite, Blood and Guts in Detroit. So I understand it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was another really, really good match. 18 minutes. Yeah, no match overstayed its welcome on this card. Yeah, I talked no. about the pacing earlier on. I think only one match went over 20. Is that true? Yeah, the, the last, the IWGP, 21 minutes. Okay, okay. Yeah. so that's good. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 no match dragged. Uh I think there was an argument for Tanahashi winning here. I didn't put a ton of stock into it because I saw the odds, <laughs> the betting odds before the match. Mm-hmm. And I saw Moxie was a very large, overwhelming favorite. And typically when you see an overwhelming betting favorite online for these matches, the underdog does not win. So yes. uh, I wasn't holding my breath, but 
Yeah, because Punk and Tanahashi was the plan here. I think there were some people, and, and Tanahashi, like he wasn't scheduled to wrestle any Wednesdays or something. There were people really working themselves into a shoot, I think, with Tanahashi possibly winning here. But, you know, Moxley's, a, uh, you know, he was, I think we all expected him to be the choice, to be the interim champion. I know some people don't like interim champions. Uh, I mentioned this in our Facebook group, Ryan. You can call you can call Mox an interim champion. You call him the real champion. You call him fucking Susan for all I care. He would be viewed as an interim champion, no matter what you call him, until the match with Punk. And that's, I guess, it's going to be interesting, I guess, how long Punk is out because, you know, that's all people are going to be talking about. You yeah. know, when does Punk come back? When does Punk come back? So does that make the rain kind of seem uh, like, okay, hey, we're waiting for the match with Punk to happen? And, and is it going to be like kind of like uninspired until then? You would hope certainly not. Yeah, when I when I looked at the possible winners here, I thought with Tanahashi, then they can still do Punk and Tanahashi like they initially planned for the show, have it be the unification match. At the same time, doing Moxley and Punk can lead to so many enticing scenarios because it's the Blackpool Combat Club. You could mm -hmm. come out of that doing Brian and Punk potentially, which everyone wants to see again. You know, they had some really good matches back in WWE. Uh, now Claudio's there as well, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, I, I still like it. I felt like watching this match, Justin and I were talking, it was a really good match. We were having a lot of fun watching it. It didn't feel like a championship match. You know, you saw the belt there on the aisle. They had it on the stand and everything, but it just didn't feel like a world title match. And that's the whole interim thing. You know, it didn't have that type of feeling to it to me. It didn't have that largeness to it. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if even if it wasn't, they weren't explicitly calling it the interim title. I don't know if it would have felt like it. I mean, losing punk is a big deal, man. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a real kick in the nuts for this promotion. Uh, you know, given that, you know, they were in Chicago last night, they're giving Chicago for the next pay-per-view and, and punk, you know, what he did, you know, last year, his arrival for the promotion, just how it, you know, set the paper, their pay-per-view record. So it's a real kick in the nuts. And I think no matter what they did, whomever won it, not even if it was these two, but just any any direction they could have taken with this title. I think it there's going to be kind of this sense of, eh, man, sucks about punk. Yeah, it, and just with the how recent that was, too. You know, with it was four weeks ago, punk won the title. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, had he been champion for six months or something, you know, maybe the title reigns losing some steam or something. But, he, I mean, he had just reached that moment in time, so that's fresh in your memory, punk going on this journey throughout the last year, becoming world champion, and then, oh, here we are. It's a world title match four weeks later with two totally different guys. It just didn't feel like a world title match, but it was an excellent match, mm -hmm. and we'll all look forward to the the unification match down the line, whether that's at All Out or somewhere else. I'm sure they're hoping it's at All Out because that would be a huge drawing card for that show. But uh, Yeah, I know there's been some discussion about like the current state of John Moxley, John Moxley now versus you know him in WWE as Dean Ambrose. I just think he is so much better now. I agree. He's just so much well, happier. He's happier. I don't know. I just like seeing him work a lot better. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But Dean Because he can remain know, true to himself. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Dean Ambrose, it was like, it had become like a cart. He would probably even say this, like a cartoon badass almost. Like just like some like, he was just some like loony guy almost yeah. by the end of it. Whereas like now, I don't know. I, I just like seeing him work so much more in AEW than I did in WWE. Uh, down the stretch of this match, I just remember there being a lot of 
really good near falls that Tanahashi kicked out of. Like almost made you buy. It was the end of the match, just kicking out at the very last second. And he's a guy who doesn't stare down the referee, which I love. I hate it when people stare at the referee as they're waiting mm-hmm. to kick out. Tanahashi's a guy who just listens for the cadence of the count, and kicks out at the last second. And it was really, really good before eventually the paradigm shift won it for Moxley. Didn't they do a one count, or am I making that up? In yeah, my there head? was a one count. Yeah, okay. I think it was yeah. this match that happened at one point. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, but uh, enjoyable match again. Moxley's your interim champion. They did that brawl that we talked about earlier after the fact, where uh, you know Kingston and, and Claudio had had the deal. But uh, yeah, very good show. Phenomenal show. I went just a hair below an A because of just some of the other things going on, but it was a hell of a show that I would highly recommend buying if you didn't see it and checking it out. If you're a wrestling fan, you're sure to like it. Did you like it better than Double or Nothing? Mm, wow. I mean, no, I know it's different because we were there. Wow, really? No. Oh, I haven't my. actually watched Double or Nothing back, though, so it's hard to say just based on how it came off on TV, but I just I don't think... I think, as I said earlier, like the big moments that you'll remember for years, Double or Nothing had more. That arena match was just crazy. Punk winning the title for the first time. I just, I don't know. I thought that was a that was a better show. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Personally, I don't know. This this right now is my. I mean, again, I like to watch things back because that way you don't have the oh, what's going to happen factor. You can actually just evaluate knowing what's going to happen. I don't know. This to me felt like. Not just AEW's best pay-per-view of the year, but the best pay-per-view of the year overall. I could definitely see that, you know, like from a in-ring perspective. I mean, if you look at this card top to bottom, it is super solid in-ring. I'm just looking for bigger things than just how good it was in the ring. I, I guess was... like I guess like the all were comparable because like I didn't have like a high-end match on the show. Like I wouldn't I don't think any match on the show was above four stars. I think the key was the it the pacing didn't feel long. And then mm-hmm. nothing was bad at all. Like I just yeah. like was I enjoyed literally every match, almost all of the interactions, the novelty again. We're not seeing any rematches here, you know, moving forward. And you know, first time matchups, unique stuff, hot crowd. Really liked it. I, I would watch this show again before I watched Double or Nothing again or, or Revolution even. I mean, when I when I thought about their most recent pay per views, because. I sent you that tweet. Someone on Twitter was calling this the best AEW pay-per-view of all time. Well, no that, pers- that, person no also, that person also had tweeted hours before that they were in a luxury suite and drunk. So, yeah, I mean, okay, mind. I don't think the show touches all out last year. I don't think it was as good as Full Gear last year. Uh, wow. I don't think it was as good as Revolution 2020. Uh, frankly, even their first pay-per-view, Double or Nothing 2019. I mean, you get that five-star Cody and Dustin match. Yeah. I mean, it's... It is very solid. I guess like if you if you compare the shows and you did like all the star ratings of all the matches and came up with like an average star rating, this show would be very high, like among their top for sure. I'm just thinking beyond that, like the big moments that you're going to remember. I see. I just think it was it's tough because you can't again. I'm going to go back to the earlier point here that this it's an exhibition pay-per-view. Basically. And so it's hard to do something where it's like, oh, like you can look back six months down the line and this was the start of this feud because you really can't do that. Based I, on agree, this. Like, I agree with you, which is yeah. why I think it can't live but up see, to that. But see, I, to me, it's the novelty. I don't know. This just this had a novel feeling where it's like, I think this was the best show since all out in Chicago. I, I thought this was better than the last. Three. Like, I'm, I actually had to look up 
other than punk. Like I remember punk versus MJF, obviously, which was better than anything on the show that mm-hmm. one match. And I remembered hangman and Cole wrestled at revolution and Eddie and Jericho, but I actually struggled to remember the rest of that card. And then double or nothing. I just felt like there was a, that show. There was a lot of meaningless kind of stuff. Like I, I, I wouldn't give anarchy and arena five stars like Meltzer did. I thought that was a little shocking, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can see the argument. I think they're all close. I do think they're all close. I just, uh, personally, I would, I would rank it just a hair below some of those other ones, but you get to the very tippy top shows they've ever See, had, like th- Revolution 2020 and All Out last year. I don't think it's close to those. No, no. I mean, those yeah. and and the first one, those were kind of transcendent pay per views yeah. for the company. It felt like yeah. those were those are the top three for yes. sure. They're all close. I mean, you always get your money's worth fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, in this day and age, when you got Peacock for nine dollars nine dollars ninety nine cents a month, and you get every pay per view from the WWE, uh, you know, it's a harder ask, but. I don't mind spending 50 bucks on these shows and they always live up to it. And this one certainly did. It was an excellent, excellent show. Yeah. There hasn't been a bad AEW pay-per-view since the disastrous, uh, exploding barbed wire death match one. But that was a good pay-per-view too. Until that, (laughs) I mean, like that match was very good until that. Yeah. That match was great. And then, then it wasn't. Yeah. Isn't that the, wasn't that our post show where the, it's not effing good. Ryan came from. Yep. That absolutely is. (laughs) All right. Let us know what you guys think. I mean, hit us in the comments. You can always email us, topropenation at gmail.com. Comment on the video. Let us know your thoughts as well. Uh, like Kyle said at the beginning of the podcast, we got Top Rope Nation extra dropping this week for patrons only. So sign up if you want to hear that. Um, probably going to re-release something this weekend that we did around 4th of July time recently. That was a really good show. I think I'm going to pump that one back out. And then, of course, next week, we will have the Money in the Bank post show. That's coming up. We're probably going to have two Money in the Bank reviews because I can't do the flagship one. Okay. So you might hear hear from us a couple of times. On yes, that one. yes. I emailed you on this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. We're gonna go. so yes, all the, all the patrons who, who you know, um, want to know about Top Rope Nation Extra, not only are we going to have one before the end of the month, we'll have one to start the month of July as well. Yep. So go back to back weeks of Top Rope Nation Extra. That's right. So it'll be Justin and I on on the traditional review and then maybe a guest too. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. So, hey, thanks everyone for joining us. Looks like my youngest child is still sleeping. So we made it through. Hopefully I can get this mixed up on the podcast feeds very quickly. Uh, Appreciate all you tuning in here on Monday. Any parting words, Kyle? No, I'm going to try to get a workout in before I pick up my kids. So. Very good. I'll still be out of shape after it's over, but hey, at least I'll pretend. Hey, just put Jefferson Starship on your headphones and it'll power you through. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) And with that said, for Kyle Ross, I'm Ryan Drosty. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. Peace.